This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. We've been talking about the seven core values of Courageous Church, and we were answering the question, what does it look like to live a courageous life in the earth today? What does courageous living look like? And over the last six weeks, today would be the seventh week, we've answered that question by saying, this is who we are. This is who God has created us and wants us to be as we express our life in him here in this valley. And as a young church, this is important because we're still setting the foundation. We're still establishing culture. And I made this comment the first week that culture always trumps vision. So no matter how great the vision is that God gives you, your culture will always trump that vision, meaning culture is the most important and pervasive force in the earth today. And that's why I believe the Lord wants us to establish this culture, a courageous culture that's devoted to Jesus, that's empowered by the Spirit, that's rooted in the gospel, that's passionate about prayer, that's engaged in serving others, that's committed to generosity, and today, a life shared with loving family. When we say the word community, what we mean is family. And I made this comment last week that I really believe that the Lord wants to model to the world what healthy family looks like. More so than ever, what the world needs to see is a healthy church, a church that loves each other, amen? A people that are in love with one another, that are committed to the cause of unity, that are committed to the cause of Christ, and that are willing to set aside their differences and their petty opinions and preferences to serve each other in love. And I believe that this happens within the context of community. The biblical word for community is fellowship. We don't tend to use that word as much as we used to. Back in the 80s and 90s, if you were a church, you probably had the word fellowship after your name. But everybody kind of got away from that word. I guess they thought it was too churchy. And so they started using the word community. But the biblical word for that is fellowship. It's the Greek word koinonia. It's the coming together in fellowship, in love and service to one another that embodies what community is all about. So today, I wanna wrap up the series by talking a little bit about community and the importance of fellowship. Oftentimes, when we talk about community, we tend to think about it primarily in physical ways. Uh, We ask questions like, who's my neighbor? Or we say things like, who am I in relationship with? Or who do I work with? And our approach is one based on proximity and location. But when we look to the scriptures, when we look to our Bibles, we discover that it's actually both broader and more distinctive than that. In the community of Christ, as the body of Christ, as the beloved of Christ, as his body and bride, it's the intersection of the physical, of our location, and the spiritual, the reality that we are tied together in Christ. And it's the intersection of this that draws us into, I believe, a reality bigger than ourselves. For many of us, we live very independent lives, and we've sought the American dream and our American independence, and we celebrate this. This is a hallmark within our culture. But the truth is, in Christ Jesus and within the church, we're not called to independence. We're called to interdependence. We're called to depend on each other. We're called to lean on one another. We're called to do life together. Yes, we're called to link arms and to gather and to look to each other to meet the needs of what God has for us. And so I believe this is bigger than just us. It's in and through our common unity. That's kind of what community means. It's common unity with Christ and each other that this takes on an identity bigger than us, bigger than our individual selves and preferences. And as the church, as God's courageous people living in the earth today, I want to encourage us to do life with others in a way that is really honest 
and really courageous. See, it takes courage to be vulnerable. It takes courage to be honest and to get real. And the truth is, most of us go through life with masks on. In fact, most of us camouflage our true selves from others out of fear, right? Fear of rejection, fear of man, fear that maybe people aren't going to approve of us or like us. But what God calls us to is to get courageously vulnerable, to become transparent and real and honest. And that's what I love about community groups and about Alpha is that it creates a place. It fosters an environment where you can be real, where you can let down your guard. And when people ask you how you doing, your response isn't just like, yeah, I'm doing good. When people ask you how you're doing, you can go, you know what? It was actually kind of a tough week. You know, I had my aunt who passed away, or I had this happen, or I had that happen. And then as the church, we can come together and go, oh, man, I'm sorry. Let me pray for you. Let me encourage you. You know, I'm here for you. What do you need? Can I bring you a meal? See, it's that kind of transparency that I believe breeds courage. Courage to be the people of God that God wants you and I to be. As the church of Christ, as his courageous church, as his people living in the earth today, I believe that the world needs to see our courage in vulnerability. For too long, the criticism of the American church, and particularly the church at large, is that we're just a bunch of hypocrites, right? That we all say one thing and live another. But what if we were to courageously get real and get honest with people? And not in a woe is me kind of way, not in a poor me, look at me, but in a look at Jesus kind of way. What if we could let people see the Jesus in us, Christ, the hope of glory within us, through our transparency and honesty? What would our lives look like? What would our families look like? And the truth is that none of us is perfect. Can I get an amen? None of us has it all together. When you placed your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ, you were justified. You are now in right standing with God. Hallelujah. That's reason alone to rejoice. But how many know that the battle doesn't end there? We're justified, but it takes time to be sanctified. And that sanctification is a process. Just ask my wife. I'm still in process. You're still in process. That's right, Jeff. You're still in process. And the reality is, is that God is continuing to conform you to the image of his son. So we're being conformed. We're in process. So this isn't about perfection. The reality is this. Nobody has a perfect family and nobody can do community perfectly. This isn't about perfection. Nobody has a perfect family. And I'll say this, God doesn't need you to be perfect, but he does want you to be healthy. Can I say that again? God doesn't need you to be perfect, but he does want you to be healthy. And there's a big difference between perfection and health. And I've said this probably a thousand times. I believe God wants to help the church understand and live out and model what healthy family is supposed to look like. Most of us come from imperfect, dysfunctional families, And so this is a challenge because a lot of times we bring all that baggage with us, right? But in Christ, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we get to work that out. We get to sort that out. And we get to help each other through honest relationship, through transparency and vulnerability. Now, take it from a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) This is a hard lesson to learn for some of us. You know why? Because we really want control. The root of my need to be perfect is really my need for control. And when you come to Christ, you have to surrender control to your life. You actually give up the rights to yourself. That's actually what the phrase take up your cross means in the first century. Did you know that? It's not just bearing an actual physical cross. To take up one's cross was to lay down the rights to oneself. So when you actually take up your cross and follow Jesus, you know what he's saying to you? He's saying, lay down the rights to yourself and follow me. 
Jesus already went to the cross, so you don't have to do that. What's the cross that we have to bear? It's actually you laying down the rights to yourself. It's actually you getting beyond your selfishness, your need for, here we are, control and manipulation. And if I can just manage your impression of me, my life will look a lot better. And if I can just not let anybody else in, when the reality is that God wants the opposite. He wants us to become exposed and vulnerable. And those things require risk. And as I already said, courage. So God wants us to do this so that we can be healthy. One of the most beautiful pictures that I think that we're given of what the church is supposed to look like happens the night of the Passover. It happens right before Jesus' arrest at Gethsemane. And it's rich in symbolism. It's actually really rich in meaning. It's what we call the Last Supper. And I believe it becomes the template for what our lives are supposed to look like in being blessed, in being broken, and in being shared. Blessed, broken, and shared. Let's look at our primary text today. We see this illustrated in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, beginning in verse 26 through 30. It says this, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body. Verse 27, And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood. It's the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now, there are so many beautiful things happening within this passage here that we could probably honestly spend months and months unpacking. But today, to help us as a church in talking about what it looks like to live a courageous life in the earth, what it looks like to do life shared with a loving family, I want to hyper-focus, if you will, on three dynamics that we see here. And I've already given them to you. Blessed, broken, and shared. Blessed, broken, and shared. And I believe that in doing so, we're going to see a living picture of what God wants our lives to look like in community as we do life together as a church. So number one, let's talk about this. Blessed. Jesus took the bread, verse 26, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. I want to begin by saying that as the body of Christ, that's us, that's the church, we are blessed by God. Can I say it again? As the body of Christ, you have been blessed by God. When you look at the word blessed here in the original language in the Greek, it's the word eulageo, and it means to pronounce upon or consecrate a thing with favor, with thanks, or with praise. And Jesus is here having a meal with his disciples. He's celebrating the Passover, which is a really big deal in Jewish culture, which obviously is rich in its own symbolism. And he takes the bread, like we're going to do in just a few moments, and he consecrates it. He sets it apart. He gives it a new purpose. He blesses it. A lot of times when we say the word blessed, we think uh, endowed with favor, and that's true. But it's also the consecration of the thing that separates it for a unique and specific purpose. And so I want to say to us today, as the body of Christ, that's us, you have been blessed by God. You have been set apart for a unique and special purpose. This is what is supposed to make our lives look different than the world. 
because we have been given this blessing by Christ in the same way that he grabs the bread and consecrates it and says, this now has a special and unique purpose. You too have been set apart and made holy in him. You've been blessed and consecrated with favor and with thanks and with praise so that your life can point people to Jesus, so that your life can be a mirror of God to the world. We are the body of Christ, more so than we think we are. I'll say this, when people see the body, they see Jesus. When people see you and I as the church and what he's given us and the way in which we've been made recipients of his grace and his favor and his mercy and his love, they will see Jesus. You are the body of Christ pointing people to see Jesus. This is one of the reasons we believe in doing life together as a family in that it helps people see Jesus. We want people to see Jesus in everything that we do. And I say this all the time. We want everything we do to be about Jesus. Jesus is what it's all about. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the source and the destination. He's the author and he's the finisher. He's where it's all going. And so when we gather, when we come together in community, in fellowship, as the body of Christ, as those blessed and set apart and consecrated by God, we do so to help people see Jesus. You see, being blessed by Jesus is not just about favor. It's also about identity. You have been given a new identity, and it speaks to the core of who we are. We are set apart. We are consecrated. We are blessed. We are his ambassadors and representatives in the earth. Now, you may not always feel very blessed. I know there's days where I don't necessarily always feel very blessed, but this doesn't change the truth about who God says you are in Christ Jesus. You are blessed. Man, how blessed are we as the church in America to have what we have, to be able to be here today in these amazing seats. Come on, somebody. With seat warmers. Woo! Mike's got his feet lounging up here. He's reclining. I mean, what kind of church can you go to in America where you can recline? I'm telling you, we are blessed. I mean, how blessed are we that right now we get to celebrate openly and worship openly in a public theater, in a public gathering place. This isn't even our property. We are so blessed. And you know why? Not just so that we can have his favor, not just so that we can enjoy seat warmers, but we're blessed to be a blessing. And I believe this, and we see this all throughout scriptures. When God blesses Abraham, he says, I'm gonna make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sands of the earth. He's blessing him so that in and through Abraham, his seed could be blessed. So that in and through his seed, their seed could be blessed. And we see that out of that comes Christ, Jesus, the Messiah. And in Christ, who now lives in us, we're blessed so that others can be blessed. That has been the goal of God from the dawn of time. It's to give us light so that we can be a light. It's to bless us so that we can be a blessing. And in the same way, Jesus takes the bread, the bread which was meant to nourish and to fill and to complete and to remove hunger, in the same way God wants his church to do the same. He wants his church to be a blessing so that we can nourish the world, so that we can feed the hungry, so that we can reach the lost, so that we can serve the poor, so that we can take care of widows and orphans, so that we can do the things that Christ said to do. We're blessed to be a blessing. And so he takes the bread and he models this for us. He blesses it so that it can be broken. 
So number two today is broken. Jesus took the bread, verse 26, and after blessing it, he broke it. He broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body. As the body of Christ, we are broken by God. Jesus blesses his body so that it can be broken. And the word for broken here in the Greek is klao, and it means to literally break and to tear. Jesus actually illustrates this, and he would go on to illustrate this with his own life. He's highlighting what is to come when his own life would be broken and torn apart upon that cross. When they would drive nails through his hands and drive nails through his feet and tear open his side with their spear. And in doing so, Jesus is also foreshadowing the nature of what's to come for his own disciples and all that follow in his way. A life of being broken and torn. And I want to say this about brokenness. Being broken and torn apart hurts. It's painful. And we tend to want to avoid brokenness at all costs. We tend to want to avoid the pain. And we don't even really want to talk about it. We'd rather just go on with the illusion that everything is just fine and dandy. But the truth is, and hear me on this, brokenness in Christ Jesus is actually a good thing. It's actually a gift because real spiritual brokenness leads to humility, which leads to honesty, which leads to vulnerability, which leads to healing, which leads to wholeness. Can I say that again? Real spiritual brokenness leads to humility, which leads to honesty, which leads to vulnerability, which leads to healing, which leads to wholeness. And like it is with all things in the kingdom of God, this is an upside down reality. The way up is actually down. The more we give, the more we gain. To become more, we become less. To increase, we decrease. So that Jesus can once again be magnified in and through our lives. Just like we were singing about about 20 minutes ago. Our heartbeat as the church is that Christ would be magnified. And you know how Christ is magnified? When you decrease, when you lay down the rights to yourself, when you allow yourself to be broken and to experience humility and to allow the weight of God to crush you so that he can save you. Some of you are like, this sounds kind of heavy, but I'll tell you this, I felt the press of God because it's in the pressing that God brings forth the greatest wine. It's in the pressing of the grapes of your life and your circumstances and your character that God is conforming you to bring forth good wine, to represent the fruit of Christ and the fruit of his spirit. How many know character comes through adversity? Character comes through great trouble and through pain and through having to endure and suffer well. And Jesus, in the same way that he's blessing the bread, is tearing it apart to illustrate the way in which you and I lead and live lives of spiritual brokenness so that in humility, we can find the life of Christ, the life that he came to give us, the life that he said, I've come to give. Life in all of its fullness, life abundantly through the exposed parts of our life, through and by becoming vulnerable. We're gonna see God bring forth great fruit. Great things will come. And here's the good news. In the same way that he touches that wound, he heals it. See, Jesus was a wounded healer. In fact, Isaiah 53 says, by my wounds, by his wounds, speaking of the suffering servant Jesus, we are healed. You know how we're healed? Through Jesus's woundedness. Do you know how Jesus is gonna heal the world? Through your woundedness. See, we think it's the opposite. We think we have to have our lives all perfect. 
We think, in fact, we have to get it all together. You know, once I get my life all together and I kick this addiction and I stop this and I, I let go of that bad habit, then God will use me. Then I'll be able to minister healing. You know what? Sometimes God wants to minister healing to others through your pain. And sometimes he'll allow you to be the agent of healing for somebody else because you know what it's like to walk in and through that pain, in and through what you've suffered. And your mess becomes your message and your test becomes your testimony. And what you've walked through in the areas of where you've been broken and wounded becomes the very source that brings healing and life to others because you're willing to get honest and real and vulnerable about it. See, that's the power of what I'm talking about. In community, we come together not just to go, hey, you know, I had a great week. Yeah, it's all good. You know, Jesus, yeah, oh, cool. No, we come together so that we can be a source of life and healing to others so that we can find wholeness in him. And I believe this full-heartedly. The truth is, being in community and embracing your brokenness can be painful, but we don't have to shy away from it. We don't have to shy away from it because, here it is, in our weakness, we find our strength. In our weakness, we find our strength. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. He says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. We don't tend to preach that. We don't tend to believe that. We say this, get your life together, and then God will use you mightily. But that's not what God is saying to his church. He's saying, church, wake up. My power is made perfect. It's complete in your weakness. Well, goodness, Jesus, I thought I kind of had to have my whole act together before you. No, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul, being Paul, actually takes it one step further. And he says this, therefore, I will boast, I will brag, I will speak all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Church, that's my prayer. I want the power of Christ to rest upon us, upon me and my wife and my kids and my family in this church and in this valley. I want the power of Christ to rest upon us. And you know how it's gonna happen? Through your weakness. <laughs> Through your weakness, through your brokenness, through your woundedness, his power is going to be made complete in and through your life. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. That encourages me. And he goes on to say this in verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness. And I'm content with insults and I'm content with hardships and persecutions and calamities. And we know that Paul experienced all those things. And here's the kicker. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Whew. Most of us live our lives trying to project images of strength. We go online on Facebook and Instagram and we project images of all of the good things in our life. The highlight reel, I like to call it. Here's me at the gym working out. Here's me not eating the chocolate because I've been really good, trying to lose weight. Here's me like looking my best self with my best angle and my hair combed the right way. Here's my strong side. Here's, my, here's, here's all my strengths. Here's all the good stuff that I can do. What do you think about me? And Paul says, actually, I'm gonna boast in the other stuff. Could you imagine 
what our Instagram feeds and Facebook timelines would look like if people only just posted their weaknesses. <laughs> You're at the refrigerator at two in the morning in your underwear, just drinking the milk, going for that extra piece of carrot cake, just gobbling it down, crumbs just there. This is a perfect moment. Let me get the selfie out. Here we go. Yeah, here I am. <laughs> I'm going to boast in my weakness. Here's me at three in the morning going to Del Taco to get the red burrito. Jason, why are all your analogies about food? Because I like to eat, okay? I'm sorry. I like food. But maybe it's not food. Maybe it's something else. But here's the reality. Paul says, I boast in these things. I gladly open up so that people can see. Because it's in my weakness that I am strong. It's in my weakness that Christ's power rests upon me. Now, that begs the question, if his power and his strength wants to increase in your life, then what do you think is holding it back? And I think the truth is, if we have to be honest, it's us. It's us not wanting to appear weak, not wanting to appear vulnerable, not wanting to appear broken. In community groups, we're going to see this and we're going to experience this. We're going to see that in weakness and in vulnerability and in humility, we discover the very life of God, the life of Christ. And it's just waiting for us there. And the good news is that it actually makes us strong. We're going to see this. We're going to encounter this. And by the grace of God, we're going to experience healing. And we're going to experience the good things that God has for us, all because we're willing to get honest about it. Truth be told, I believe that real healing comes when we're finally willing to get honest and really willing to get real about what we're going through. And this is what being in a loving family is all about. It's not about being judged or condemned because you're walking through pain or because you're walking through a struggle or because you're going through a calamity or through a hardship. No, doing life together as a loving family is about wrapping your arms around people and saying, I'm with you. Because that's what Jesus did. He entered into our suffering so that he could say to us, I'm with you. We don't have a savior who doesn't know how to relate to what we go through. We have a savior that knows exactly how to relate to every single thing that you've ever gone through. Tempted beyond imagination and yet without sin so that he could endure the cross. All to say, I'm with you. I know what that pain feels like. I know what you're walking through and I don't turn a deaf ear to it. I'm not that kind of God. I'm a God who, who jumps down into the mess and gets down into the mud with you and is willing to say, I'm here for you, regardless of what you're going through. And you know how he does that? Through his body, through us, through us saying, come here, man, let me pray for you today. I'm here for you. Just texting somebody, encouraging them, opening up, sharing, getting real. And it's in that place that we discover everything that we've been looking for hope, healing, courage, and life. And so Jesus, he takes the bread and he blesses it and he breaks it so that it can ultimately be shared. Blessed, broken, and number three today, shared. Jesus took the bread, verse 26, and after blessing it, he broke it and then he gave. He gave it to the disciples and he said, take and eat, this is my body. As the body of Christ, we are shared by God. And we see this dynamic play out in and through Jesus' life. His own life is blessed and broken and even poured out so that in his death, his life could be distributed. 
His life could be shared among the peoples and nations of the world. So that what was blessed and broken by God could take on a life beyond his physical self. We see this play out in Jesus' own miracles and all the signs and wonders that he performed. Matthew 14, verses 15 through 19 says this. That evening the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. You feed them. And they said, Jesus, but we only have five loads of bread and two fish. And he says to them, bring them here. Verse 18. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and he took the two fish and he looked up toward heaven. And what did he do? Same thing he did in that upper room. He blessed them and then he broke them. And it says this, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it among the people, blessed, broken, and shared. He's been doing it all along. We just weren't paying attention. In his life, he's trying to tell us something. Guys, what I have for you is beyond your comprehension. It's greater than anything you can think, ask, or imagine. The things I want to do, no eye has even seen, no ear has even heard, no mind can fully fathom all that I have in store for those that love me. He would go on to tell the disciples, I have food that you know not of. Jesus is always trying to take us beyond the physical, beyond the possible, into the realm of what's impossible. Jesus, how can we feed all these people? All we have is two fish and five loaves of bread. I mean, there's a multitude here, hundreds of people here. What are we gonna do? Jesus goes, watch this. He blesses, he breaks, and he shares. And it says that he multiplied and gave everything that he touched so that the whole people could be fed, so that every need could be met. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine with just a little happy meal, Jesus is able to feed hundreds upon hundreds of people. And yet he's saying the same thing to the disciples in that room. This is my body. I'm the living bread. I'm your daily bread. Feed on me. And as you do, what's mine will be yours and then some. And I'll expand it and I'll amplify it and I'll distribute it among the nations of the world so that through you, every people and every nation can be blessed. We see this play out in the book of Acts. With the early church, what is blessed by God becomes broken by God so that it can be distributed and multiplied by God. And that is because God is a God of multiplication. He's a giving God, and he wants us to share with each other what we have been given. And here's the crux of it all. What God gives you, he expects you to share because it's not just for you. It would have been easy for the disciples to look at the two fish and the five loaves and say, well, I guess that'll take care of us. So I guess we're good. <laughs> Thanks for blessing that, Jesus. But he goes, no, I've blessed this and I've broken this so that it can be shared among others. It says this in Acts chapter two, verse 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. There it is again. And a prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared, there it is again, 
everything that they had. Verse 45, they sold their property and they sold their possessions and they shared the money. There it is again with those in need. Verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals. There it is again. And they did so with great joy and with generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. There it is. And here's the cool part. Each day the Lord continued to add to their fellowship those who were being saved. The miracle didn't stop. So even though the needs were met, the miracle went on. He kept on multiplying. He kept on amplifying. He kept on distributing. What? The life of the disciples, the life of his people, his body. He blesses it. He breaks it. And then he shares it so that it can go on sharing. So that it can go on meeting the needs of the multitudes. And I want to say this. We have multitudes of people that live in this valley that need what you and I have, that absolutely need what we have. And don't think for one minute that your story is not good enough. Don't think for one minute that your testimony is not crazy enough. Don't think for one minute that you're not educated enough or don't know enough Bible. Come on, you've got the life of God in you. You have all you need. If you've put your faith in him and you've received his Holy Spirit, you have every single thing that you need. And so now he wants to take you and he wants to share you among the people of this valley. He wants to take what's in us and get it out of us so that it can be shared among the peoples of this valley. And I believe that for Courageous Church. I believe that we're gonna go on planting churches and raising up groups and gathering people and connecting people and reaching the lost through the grace and glory of Jesus Christ because we're willing to share what we've been given. I love that they sold properties and possessions and shared money with those in need. I love that they shared their meals with great joy. I love that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. I love that they took action to do that. No one prompted them to do that. They devoted themselves. They did. Could you imagine what the church in America would look like if it decided one day, we're going to devote ourselves to these things? Church, I believe it's possible. And we're going to see that happen in community groups. Thank you for listening today. To find out more information about our church, including ways you can give, please visit us at CourageousChurch.com.